It's always exciting to keep uh, watching the business go up and to the right, <laughs> which is uh, where it's hopefully supposed to go. So, um, yeah, uh, good things are happening here. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? Then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. What's the number one problem all businesses face? It's not sales, marketing, or product market fit. It's hiring. We know just how hard it is, so we've compiled 25 hiring tips from top CEOs that I've interviewed here on Growth Everywhere and put it into a free resource just for you. Text 25 tips to 33444 to get the free resource now. Again, it is 25 to number 25 tips, T-I-P-S, to double three triple four and you'll get the free resource. Hi, everyone. Welcome to this week's edition of Growth Everywhere, where we interview entrepreneurs and bring you business and personal growth tips. Today, we have the Chief Operating Officer of B Plans and Life Plans, Noah Parson, who basically has a site and also an application or a program that teaches small businesses how to grow and make things right. Noah, how are you, how are you doing today? Uh, I'm doing great. It's great to be here. Cool. Thanks for being here. So yeah, why don't you talk a little bit about your background and the company itself? Sure. Um, so I've been doing uh, internet marketing and uh, entrepreneurship in one form or another since the mid '90s. Um, started uh, at Yahoo um, as it was uh, just kind of growing up, um, and the at the time darling of the valley. So that was a lot of fun. Um, went on to help start a company called Opinions.com, and then uh, did a few other things in the the valley. Um, and uh, ended up uh, at Palata Software, which is actually up in uh, beautiful Eugene, Oregon. And uh, we've been working on products that help uh, companies pitch their businesses, uh, write plans and create forecasts, and then track their progress as they go so they can refine their plans. Um, and we really try and move away from the stodgy old business plan to more of a dynamic living plan that you're updating and revising as you go. So hence the name live plan of our core product. And what does that mean exactly? So traditional business plans are, you know, they're seen, especially in the Valley, they're seen as, you know, unnecessary, a little too heavy. What's different about yours? Uh, So everyone says don't plan, but what people really mean is don't spend a ton of time writing a 40 or 60 page document that no one's going to read and that you're not even going to use and you're going to stick in a drawer. And we very much believe that. But at the same time, while everyone in the Valley says don't plan, everyone actually does plan. They just don't do it in the document format. They're still doing financial forecasts, setting sales goals, creating budgets to, uh, to track their spending. Um, they're setting strategic goals. Um, they're setting uh, milestones out for the next couple of months of things they want to do. And they're coming back and they're looking at what they said they were going to do uh, and tracking that against um, what actually happened and then revising. And so that very much ties into the whole lean startup movement of uh, test something, measure it, and then take action on that. And so our product live plan really helps facilitate that uh, with helping people document their strategy in a really simple way, uh, create the forecasts that they um, want to look at over the, the next year, um, you know, possibly, you know, 
two, three, four years out in the future, although most commonly it's uh, you know a few months to a year, and then connect to their accounting system so they can automatically track their progress against their financial goals as they grow. So it's really a, a dynamic planning process where you're not creating a document, you're just setting goals, setting budgets, tracking how you're doing, and re uh, revising that on the fly as you go. So it's still planning, and planning is still very important to business. It's just not the business plan document. Got it. Okay. And there has to be an interesting story behind this. I mean, you know, why the decision to, you know, cause people talk about business plans and they're not, you know, quote unquote sexy, right? So why does this, the decision to start uh, to go with B plans and also the product life plans? Um, because uh, companies really need some form of planning to succeed. Um, and like I said, everyone actually does plan, just not, you know, more in the form of PowerPoint presentations or Excel spreadsheets and things like that. We thought there's a real need for a product to help facilitate that, make it easier so you don't have to fight with Excel. You don't have to have the potential for errors. You need to have something that's easy to share, um, easy to collaborate on. Uh, it's in the cloud. And then also uh, something that can help you revise your strategy on the fly that's not a big document that no one's going to read and no one's going to manage. So um, coming from the background of uh, you know, a company that was producing uh, Windows software that helped produce business plan documents, it made all kinds of sense to transition from that into a more dynamic uh, planning platform that embraced what modern planning is. And so it's definitely, you know, when you say business plan, like you say, it kind of comes across as a dirty word um, because people envision that document. And business planning is still going on. It's still going on in the Valley. It's just in a different format. And so we want to embrace that format and make it easy for all entrepreneurs, whether they're in the Valley or they're on Main Street America. Got it. Okay. Now, how many, um, approximately how many customers do you have right now? And how many, you know, how many sites, I mean, how many visits is the site getting per month? Uh, so uh, Live Plan has grown really well. Um, we're at over we just crossed the uh, three hundred thousand uh, user marks. So we're really excited about that. Uh, B Plans, which is our content site that is all about uh, learning how to start a business, uh, pitch your business, get funding, uh, get up and running. Um, that's doing about uh, one and a half million visitors a month, um, and so we're really excited about that as well. That's seen. Uh, about 30-some percent growth year over year. Uh, Live Plan also continues to be in the double-digit percentage growth uh, year over year. So uh, really excited about uh, the growth path that we're on and uh, hope to continue to grow and help as many entrepreneurs as possible. Wow, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, so uh, what is the primary growth driver for you know both of these sites? Um, so core growth driver is uh, content marketing for us. We uh, invest heavily on B plans and creating content on a regular basis, uh, both writing in-house, also working with guest authors, um, and finding experts out there that, that want to contribute um, and help entrepreneurs build more successful businesses. Um, so really uh, laying that foundation of creating valuable, useful content from the get-go uh, and not focusing just on you know, SEO tricks and things like that, which is, you know, sort of passe at this point, but um, really focusing on creating useful content. And uh, that's really led to the a core driving success. Um, and that is a, a core funnel for us into the our product uh, live plan. Um, and from that, that's grown great word of mouth. Um, of course, you know, we also use uh, some paid acquisition channels, but our uh, our earned uh, media um, and earned traffic has just been a, a huge benefit to us. 
Yeah, walk us through your your content production process. I mean, it has. I mean, to get to one point five million is super impressive. So I'm sure some people want to know how to do how to actually do that. Um, key to that has been uh, a really um, robust editorial calendar for us, um, and we've iterated through a bunch of different processes. But we've ended up um, creating. Uh, a workflow in Trello, which is a, a great tool if uh, anyone out there isn't using it. It's great for any kind of organization and project management. Um, we use it uh, heavily for in our editorial planning, and that's been super helpful um, to capture ideas as they come up because they come up all the time and from all different people in the organization. And then planning out uh, our initial writing work, uh, the editorial process from that, and then the publishing component. Um, and it's you know, making sure that we have the right images, that if we're going to do infographics, that those are scheduled appropriately, um, getting uh, guest authors into that process, doing you know, multiple rounds of editorial review, um, and then facilitating the publishing. And then more importantly, the promotional schedule after publishing, because the work really begins after you hit the publish button and queuing up all the work around sharing the content that we have uh, getting it out into the various social channels, um, and then measuring that, seeing which ones, uh, what content is working, which channels are working, and then doubling down on those channels and uh, promoting again, reaching out, getting authors helped uh, to promote in, in addition to that. So it's it's been really helpful to create a, a robust uh, publishing schedule and editorial calendar and not just trying to wing it. Okay. Now, how much content do you think you're publishing each month? And how much do you think you're, spe- you're spending on content per month? Oh, gosh. Uh, so we're publishing um, you know, probably about uh, 25 to 30 articles a month, plus uh, revising another uh, 10 to 15 older articles. Um, and that, that's been really important to us that we circle back. And, you know, a lot of our content is evergreen in nature because we're not a a news site uh, that's covering breaking news or the latest uh, technology releases or or things like that. You know, we're creating more how-to advice. Um, But because we've published thousands and thousands of articles um, over the past couple of years, uh, we have to regularly go back and look at content that is getting traffic or, you know, is doing relatively well in the search engines and make sure that it's uh, as good as it can be. So we're also revising content on a regular basis and updating it to make sure it's current, that it's still valuable, that it's in-depth enough. Um, so that's another piece of, of what we do. Um, in terms of spend, um, we uh, we have about two and a half people uh, in-house that are working on content, and then we uh, also work with some uh, external um, writers, some paid and some not. Got it. Okay. Yeah. You know, the promotion portion, I think that's really interesting that you, you mentioned that because a lot of people, myself included, sometimes tend to fail on promotion. So what does that process look like? From a promotion perspective, a, a core uh, component to that is uh, our email newsletter. And so we uh, work really hard to collect email addresses um, by creating downloads and uh, white papers and templates and key takeaways for users. Um and so that helps us collect email addresses, and then we promote um, our key articles through a weekly curated newsletter and also through daily updates for people that want uh, more frequent updates. But then uh, 
going out and uh, we use a, a plugin for WordPress called CoSchedule, which uh, has been fantastic for us, um, where we can schedule out uh, promotion across multiple channels um, right within WordPress. Um, so it's not just uh, promoting a content piece on the day it's published, but scheduling out uh, promotions over the, the coming weeks. Um, and then circling back once we see what's getting traction and adding additional promotion around that, or looking at what's not working and tweaking headlines, uh, tweaking the images that are used in various channels and adjusting that so if we can get higher click-through rates and bring people back to the site. So the, the key thing is really watching the data really carefully. Um, and so we actually have an internal blog um, where we're uh, – collating all of our data, um, highlighting what's doing well, highlighting what's doing not uh, not doing well, and then um, coming up with strategies to promote that content. Okay. Now, is that internal blog, is that like a automated tool, or do you have someone actively filling it out? Um, it's, a, uh, it's more of a, a manual tool. I mean, it's just a, a pretty vanilla uh, WordPress uh, installation, um, and then we uh, publish our reporting. It's into that, and that's available to the entire company. So we have full uh, internal data transparency on that as to um, what's working, what's not, you know, all from a traffic perspective, but also from a financial perspective as well. Got it. So when 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 these vanilla blog posts are coming out, I mean, what are the key metrics that are being tracked? Just so the audience knows. Sure. So um, we're looking, um, you know, let's say on uh, Twitter, we're you know, of course, looking at the traffic uh, and clicks that a, a post is generating, um, and then the engagement of those users back on the site, so looking at their bounce rate, uh, their time on site, number of pages consumed, uh, making sure that the people that do visit are uh, quality visitors, um, but then also looking at engagement on the platform, so uh, retweets, uh, comments on the um, within that social channel, um, and seeing what kind of traction we're getting there. So, um, Definitely, yeah, we look at the, the vanity numbers, of course, of just the, the raw shares, but more importantly is looking at you know, the kind of traction you're getting. You know, a lot of people actually will share things relatively blindly without even necessarily reading an article. Um, they're sharing because they, uh, they think you know, an article makes them look smarter. If they're sharing something uh, that looks intelligent, you know, that reflects uh, positively on them. But what we're really looking at is people that – truly engage with the content are actually scrolling through an article, uh, getting to the bottom, whether they're generating a comment or not, and taking that next step beyond those vanity share numbers. Got it. Okay. Now, let's say you spend, uh, I don't know, five hours writing a piece of content. You know, How many hours would you spend promoting that specific piece? Oh, probably uh, another two to three hours. Um, and, and that's spread out over time, though, because you, you do your initial promotion, and then you're looking at how it actually did, and then you're re-promoting it based on um, on how it's doing. Or, or if it's doing poorly, you know, resetting and saying, okay, well, what did we do wrong? Let's tweak the headline and try again. Let's tweak the imagery and, and try again. Okay. And who handles the promotion for you, you in-house? Uh, so uh, we have someone that handles our email and, uh, and social activity, um, and he's doing most of the promotion, but then we also uh, work with authors to promote their own work as well. Um, and then uh, follow up on that is if anyone is mentioned in an article, if we've interviewed people or mentioned people, we definitely want to leverage their networks as well. So reaching out to those folks who are involved in an article 
um, and help in getting their help and promotion is key to doing that and tapping into their networks because you can really expand exponentially if you're reaching those people's networks in addition to your own. Awesome. Okay. Now let's switch to life plans for a second. I mean, how did life with 300,000 customers now, I mean, how did you go about acquiring the first 1000? Um, so, uh, definitely, uh, on the backs of our, uh, our content marketing, that was key. Um, you know, it's always been content marketing has always been core to what we're doing, but, um, you know, starting with, blogging and giving away some uh, some content and giving away some expertise and then uh, networking out to um, not directly actually to the, the target market, but to their influencers. So in our case, um, as we're targeting entrepreneurs and, and new startups, um, reaching out to uh, the small business development centers and score offices, which are um, offices, if you're, if you don't know, are, um, Offices that are partly uh, government-funded uh, by the SBA to help uh, entrepreneurs and small businesses get off the ground. Um, also reaching out to the accountant network because um, a lot of small businesses, as they get started, they're going to talk to their accountant and get expert advice there. So really finding those influencers that we knew our audience was already talking to, reaching out to them, getting them familiar with the product, and having them recommend the product to their clients uh, since they already had a trusted relationship. So um, that was key for us is you know, not you know, just going direct, which, of course, we uh, you know, had a lot of outreach efforts there, but also looking to the influencers for our audience. And I think that's, that's really important for really any new business is to find out who your target audience trusts because as a new company or if you, you're coming at them with a new product, they don't necessarily know you or trust you, but there's other advisors out there that they do trust. And so reaching out and gaining that advisor's trust is key. All right. Awesome. Now, tell us about one big struggle of growing live plants and B plants. Just, yeah, I, I guess this would be two different things. <laughs> sure. Um, so I think, uh, you know, a big struggle um, is... Uh, Transitioning, and I mean, this is more you know me personally, but uh, transitioning when you're at sort of early stages, you're very hands-on, uh, getting your hands dirty with everything. You're probably you know, doing a lot of the work yourself, and uh, transitioning as you grow um, from doing all the work to uh, working with other people who are actually doing the work and making sure that you're hiring the right people and that you're training them really well. Um, and, and that's in that transition from uh, you know, being super hands-on in the day-to-day to, -day to uh, being more of a, a people manager is definitely, I think, one of the, the biggest challenges um, that I face. I think you know that most companies face that that's a, a major growing pain where you have to uh, hire people that you trust very much and you know are going to do a good job, and then also. Uh, having the, the self-control and discipline to take this, a step back and let those uh, folks take the reins. And even if they might do things a bit differently than you might do them, if they're successful, then that's great. That's just going to help you grow and scale. Awesome. Cool. And were, was there at any point in time where, let's just say, Live Plans was on the brink of failure? Um, no, we were lucky enough to... To not have any uh, any brink of failure moments, um, you know, I think uh, there are definitely you know scary points uh, where you know for us we were actually transitioning from a uh, 
a desktop sale um, for installed Windows software to software as a service and a subscription model. So that the initial uh, you know, just terrifying moments are more around that switching from that one-time sale where you're getting all your money up front. Uh, you know what the sale looks like. Uh, you have a really good handle on the cash flow from that to a subscription model where you're getting a very small portion of that payment up front, and then you're really just crossing your fingers and hoping that you've designed a good product that has a good experience that's going to hold on to that that customer for a long time so that you actually get that, that payment over the longer term. But it, when you're first moving into SaaS, you don't know what your churn rates are going to be. You don't know what the lifetime value of your customers are going to be. You don't know if different channels are going to create... Uh, different uh, customer groups with different lifetime values. So uh, initially just not knowing that, you, know, you, you do you are jumping off the cliff to a certain extent um, and hoping that the parachute opens. And in our case, we were lucky enough that the parachute opened. Yeah, so how, you know, walk, walk us through the process where you decided to switch from desktop to SaaS because like you said, you're just pretty much jumping off a cliff, right? Right. Um, well, obviously, um, you know, through the, the mid-2000s into the late-2000s, I mean, the, the writing was really on the wall for desktop software. Um, and, uh, you know, we, we knew this was coming. We're also watching the decline of the traditional uh, big-box retail store. Um, so places like Best Buy and Staples and Office Depot and Office Max, you know, places that had been traditionally core to uh, our revenue streams and, and where, you know, package software was sold um, and you know watching everyone obviously move online move to mobile um, you know we, you could see this coming and so you know we knew we needed to make the switch at the same time we didn't want to just take our product and port it online uh, that didn't make a lot of sense like we were talking about earlier uh, we also had this simultaneous change in what business planning for entrepreneurs should be um, and we very much wanted to to change and uh, you know, be a leader in that space and be be part of that change and provide people with the the modern solution that they needed. So we simultaneously needed to reinvent what we were doing and also reinvent the business model. So um, you know we uh, we plan for it. We you know we we do eat our own dog food. We are. Uh, you know, we not only do build planning products, but we are, are very diligent about um, our own planning, um, created multiple scenarios about how things could go, um, planned what the uh, the product transition would look like, um, you know, made some assumptions, and then carefully tested and validated those assumptions as we went. Um, so that was really the, the key to, to the switch. But, um, yeah, I think it, it was, uh, unless you really had your head completely down, um, you know, in the, the mid two thousands, I think anyone who's selling desktop software, you know, for the most part, knew that the that the death of uh, installed software was on its way. All right, and I'm assuming all these templates, all this planning stuff, this is inside of life plans, right? If people want to learn how to do this stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, we very much use our own product. We don't just make something and and sell it. We are active users ourselves, um, so we manage our strategy. In Live Plan, uh, we do all of our financial forecasting and budgeting there. Uh, we have our accounting system connected to it. So at any point, um, any person can uh, can log in and 
check on how we're doing, see uh, are, you know, are we meeting our sales goals, are we uh, on budget for our expenses, how's our profitability doing, how's our cash doing. Uh, and it's kind of like uh, Google Analytics for your accounting system with you know, really easy uh, to use reports um, where you can easily change date ranges and drill into to the data, but not just in spreadsheets with tons of uh, charts and graphs, a really easy format. So unlike a lot of accounting systems where you're just looking at uh, you know, a sea of numbers, um, LivePlan gives you a more uh, visual and dynamic view of that. So it really democratizes the data, makes it available to anyone in the business that, that needs to see it, um, and helps us really keep on track. Uh, and we also use it, of course, to set our goals and our milestones for um, product development and major marketing initiatives and things like that. So we can track our progress there, too, and make sure we're on track um, for the goals that we're setting for ourselves. Cool. And I'm assuming you guys have tutorials and things like that for people, you know, for, for people that just don't get this stuff, right? Yeah. And the key is that, you know, we really try and make the product super easy. Um, and, uh, you know, we like to to say that, you know, well-designed products, you know, hopefully shouldn't need a ton of documentation and tutorials. You know, hopefully it's, it's fairly self-explanatory. That said, we do have a ton of, of help docs, um, you know, for anyone that needs more information or, you know, especially in, uh, you know, the financial world, um, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs are very passionate about um, what they're doing and, and the problem they're solving for their customer but don't necessarily come from a business background. You know, they don't necessarily have an MBA or have spent years uh, managing a business. It's, it's much more likely that uh, they're passionate about a concept and an idea, and then they have to learn the, how a business works on the side. So um, we have a lot of detail explaining the difference between cash and profits, for example, um, which is a, a common mistake entrepreneurs make. Um, understanding how uh, accounts receivable and accounts payable impact your cash flow. Um, and so helping people understand that, helping people uh, forecast their cash better so they can see you know, where a trouble spot might be months in advance when it's a great time to go to the bank um, or go back to investors rather than at that moment when you need it, when a bank won't touch you and investors might not touch you either. Yeah, I wish I, wish I had this in the beginning. <laughs> this is cool. <laughs> Um, awesome. Now what's just switching gears here. Um, what's one piece of advice you'd give to your 25 year old self? Oh gosh. Um, so a couple of things actually, um, I would start, uh, blogging or, or just writing whether you publish or not. Um, I think that's one thing that it's, it's really easy in, uh, day to day life as you know, an entrepreneur or a, a business owner to, uh, say I don't have time for writing. Uh, you know, I, I don't have time to to publish. But um, I think it's such a key thing to establish yourself as an expert in whatever your field is, and to um, get in the habit of writing. Um, because, like everyone says, you know, writing is a muscle, and you need to exercise it. And also, everyone can learn to write well. Um, and I always said, well, I don't have time for this. I don't have time to to write. Um, and I think that that's a a thing that I would go back and say, yeah, just make the time, even if it's only 20 minutes a day, uh, even if you don't publish, um, you know, that would be a, a huge benefit to, to actually do that. Um, and also, uh, the other thing I would do is uh, tell myself to uh, to listen more than I talk, um, you know, and I would probably give that advice to myself today, too. But, um, you know, I think uh, when you're young, uh, you, you know, are 
you know, have a, a decent sized ego about what you know. And the reality is you, there's so much to learn. And so it's really important to listen to everyone around you, respect people who have been in business for a while um, and listen to what they have to say before you jump to assumptions. Well said. What's one productivity hack you can share? Oh, uh, a good one uh, I use um, is actually unplugging my big fancy monitor from my laptop um, because uh, I think a lot of people these days uh, work this way. You've got your laptop and then you come to your desk and you plug it into you know a 25 or 27-inch monitor and all of a sudden you've got all this screen real estate, which is basically all this real estate for distractions. Um, and if you unplug that monitor sometimes um, – now you, you're just on your you know, 13 or 15-inch laptop screen. Maximize whatever window you're, you're working in or whatever tab. Or, um, and then that gives you the focus to work on that one thing, you know, especially if you're writing, uh, getting all those other distractions out of the way, getting that cluttered desktop out of the way, and really just having the, the physical screen real estate of one thing makes a huge difference. I like that. I like that. I'm going to... Actually, you know, I never really thought of it that way. I guess that naturally just started happening, but so, I just never not- noticed. Um, what's one must-read book you'd recommend to everyone? Uh, uh, I'm sure everyone's heard this uh, many times, but I really do like The Lean Startup. Um, and that or uh, The Art of the Start by Guy Kawasaki. Um, I, you know, either one of those books is a, a great view um, into entrepreneurship and starting a business. Um, I think both are applicable, um, both you know, very much inside the Valley, but very much outside the Valley as well. Um, I think that's one thing that, uh, I wish more, um, uh, main street businesses did was, uh, think about the minimum viable product concept and model. Um, I think that's, that's really important. And I think they, they just don't do that enough. Um, so lean startup, it does a great job of, drilling through that process and what that, that looks like and how to apply it. And it's not just for tech companies. I think too many people make the mistake that lean startup and minimum viable product concepts are only for Silicon Valley tech companies. I think that's far from the case. Yeah, I totally agree with that. I think it applies just everywhere across the board, not not even just in business, just everything. Um, so totally agree with that. And interestingly enough, that's actually one of the first few times that book's been recommended on this show, uh, believe okay. it or not. Most people say the the hard thing about hard things. So figured. Uh, yeah, that, that's a great one too. I mean, th- there are so many great uh, books about entrepreneurship and, and startups. But um, yeah, I, I just always come back and I, I use the Lean Startup methodology every single day. Um, in turn, you know, and we're beyond startup mode, but uh, how to do a minimum viable anything, uh, whether it's a minimum viable partnership with a strategic partner, uh, minimum viable sale, um, you know, as you're thinking about new features, what's the minimum viable feature that you want to develop, you know, thinking about the data that you're going to measure um, to determine if you're successful or not. Um, you know, that's something that I use every single day in the, in the business and uh, is critical to our success. Love it. All right. Noah, what's the best way for people to find you online? Um, I'm uh, at Noah Parsons on Twitter. Um, that's probably the, the best place to find me. Um, I'm also on uh, Quora quite a bit. And, um, that's, uh, you, know, you can always find me uh, writing on B plans. Um, but, uh, you know, 
hit me up on Twitter for anything. Happy to answer any questions that people have about uh, anything to do with small business, startups, marketing, product development. Um, you know, I'm, I love all of it and uh, am happy to share uh, my successes and failures. Awesome. Everyone, this is Noah Parsons from B Plans and Live Plans. Make sure you check it out. Thanks again, Noah. All right. Thank you, Eric. This is fun. What's the number one problem all businesses face? It's not sales, marketing, or product market fit. It's hiring. We know just how hard it is, so we've compiled 25 hiring tips from top CEOs that I've interviewed here on Growth Everywhere and put it into a free resource just for you. Text 25 tips to 33444 to get the free resource now. Again, it is 25 to number 25 tips, T-I-P-S, to double three triple four and you'll get the free resource. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.